0: please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Light. I'm sitting here in my slightly less echoey new home office, but it's still kind of echoey, I think, but that's okay. I only bring that up to say, because I brought it up last time that the episode went out late because I work on Tuesdays, over, which, which is when I record these episodes to go out on Wednesday, over at our new house that we are renovating and we'll eventually we have to renovate it so that we can live here before we can start building a yoga retreat but hopefully by next year warm season there will be some really amazing events going on here stay tuned for that but i bring it up because i it's important to me to try to show up in the best way possible but it's also important to me to show up anyway um even when sometimes things are less than ideal. So I'm sitting here on this like foam cushion. I don't even have my desk in here yet. Um, But I think it sounds okay, so here I am. And I think that little example of diligently showing up but losing some attachments to exactly what that showing up will look like and the outcome that happens when you do is just a micro example But a good one, nonetheless, of the topic for today, which is Abhyasa and Vairagya. So if you've been kind of following along, each one of these episodes is a yoga philosophy concept that I, you know, I just want to explain that concept, where it comes from, how to apply it to your life with yoga practices, Um, and you could just listen to it. So you can always go back and listen to old episodes if like a topic comes up. And you want to find one I've already covered and just re-listen to it. Hopefully they stand alone enough that it makes sense, even without all the extra context. But also know that in the background, I have a plan for these episodes. I cover what I cover when I cover it for very intentional reasons. And a lot of that has to do with either Ayurveda, living seasonally in alignment with nature, um, and, or astrology. So if you want to, I usually cover the Ayurveda over here, like a couple episodes we had, um, Ayurveda for the fall season, for Vada season, which we're going into here in the Northern Hemisphere. So you can learn about that stuff on this podcast, but you can learn about the astrology podcast on my brand new, just launched last week. Yogi Scopes podcast which was the intention all along to have that where I just cover astrology and then if you go over there and listen to this week's episode you will see why I specifically chose this topic for this week and it kind of fits in with last week's topic over here so even if you're not interested in the astrology um, we were talking about just releasing attachments which is good for the fall season you know we kind of look at the trees and they're shedding their leaves, everything is kind of paring down, releasing attachments. And so the concept of vairagya is pretty much about releasing your attachment to outcomes, which is a different experience than releasing your attachments to like, say, physical objects or material possessions. Um it's still I mean it, it's kind of in the same vein right you're still releasing attachments and releasing expectations around what your life should look like right but it's it's complicated especially when I'm going to sit here and tell you the first part is abhyasa which is like diligent practice um and so I'm going to sit here and tell you which is this is what if you read the Bhagavad Gita um it's a story about Arjun or Arjuna. Some people are conflicted about whether you pronounce the A at the end of Sanskrit words. Anyway, um this guy, he's like gotta go to war and he finds out that he's going to war against like some loved ones of his. But he feels like he's conflicted because he feels like the um Like, he needs to do it because he's a warrior. That's his dharma. That's his life purpose. But he doesn't want to fight, um, like, some loved ones of his. And there's, like, more nuances to the story. But that's kind of the gist. And um, so then he's having a discussion with the deity Krishna. uh, And Krishna explains, like, all these beautiful yoga philosophy concepts, like the gunas, um, which are... I'm not going to get into the gunas right now. Just He explains it there. I'll probably have another episode about the gunas sometime, but not right now. Um, and this whole concept, like my main takeaway from the whole book is that you have to do your practice diligently, like whatever you encounter to be your dharma, your life's work, you have to do it no matter what the outcome is because it's what you're meant to do. So that's a beautiful like story example of this concept, but the words Abhyasa and Bhairagya actually come from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which is, you'll hear me reference that text a lot on this podcast if you haven't heard of it before, if you're new around here. Um, they're one of the ancient texts of yoga. They're a bunch of kind of like just little sayings, little like verses that have some wisdom in them. And there's a rhyme and a reason to them. and that's where we get a lot of yoga philosophy from how we govern our lives. You know, hopefully by now, you've learned that when what I'm doing here teaching on this yoga podcast is about how to live a good life through yoga philosophy beyond just practicing the physical practice of asana on your mat, like just going to these physical movement classes. Which is how a lot of us enter the practice, but then hopefully we stick around and start to learn about these just good mental health tips, good uh, wellness ways of being, right? So, Vyasa and Vairagya, I'll just give you a little background. Um, so the very second Yoga Sutra, like pretty big deal, says Yoga chittavritti Narodaha, which is the Sanskrit, which basically means... Yoga is a cessation of movements of consciousness or fluctuations of the mind. So chitta chitta is like your awareness or consciousness. Vrittis are the fluctuations of consciousness or like disturbing thoughts, things like that. And so this very second Yoga Sutra, um, it's worth noting that the first one, basically say the practice of yoga begins now, which is kind of like, a mind fuck, the more you think about it, it's like, okay, and now, and now. And it's basically saying, like, you always practice yoga starting now forever, um, is how I've heard that interpreted, or how I choose also to interpret it myself. So then the second one kind of goes on to define what is yoga, and it's ceasing of the fluctuations of the mind, which later on, a couple sutras down the line, uh, defines those fluctuations. Um, they can be good or bad. You know, it says they can be painful or painless, kind of. And it uh, they are right knowledge, which I kind of covered in the Kleshas episode I did intro to the Kleshas several episodes back. The difference between Vidya awareness, right knowledge, and misconception. So, so that's the so the five fluctuations of the mind that yoga sutras gives us are right knowledge, misconception, and those are kind of like opposing ends of a spectrum. I think, in my opinion, in my interpretation, you can either be in right knowledge or misconception. Um, But either way, even right knowledge is like, it's not a state of being, it's a state of knowing, right? It's different. It's a nuance, but anyway. And then the next one is verbal delusion. So... When I've poked more around into what that really means, like, I've also seen it translated as imagination. Um, but basically, what they mean by verbal delusion is, like, when somebody says something and you immediately have a thought or opinion about that, or you hear something or you see something and it, like, sparks something in your mind, good or bad, that's verbal delusion. Um, and that is seen as, like, a fluctuation of the mind, an attachment to this world, like, which is, we all do that. I'm not saying you're bad or wrong for doing that. It's, it's natural um, having associations to things, right? And then sleep is another fluctuation of the mind and memory. So we could go into all of those, but I'm not going to cover it here. That's not the point. I just, I'm bringing this up because the very second Yoga Sutra says that. The point of yoga is to settle the mind, basically, and those are the things that can disturb the mind, just to give you brief background. And then later on, um, basically, the sutras 1.12 to 15, so in the first chapter, the 12th through 15th, are the ones that kind of define abhyasa and vairagya. So the 12th sutra defines. Um, it basically says the mental modifications are restrained by practice and non-attachment. So it's basically saying like, okay, A, the point of yoga is to stop the fluctuations of the mind. And then, okay, next question, how do we do that? Then it gets there and says, the yoga, it says abhyasa and vairagya are how we do that. Practice and non-attachment. So is is practice. And then the next two sutras, 13 and 14, go on to explain what practice is and how to do it, which is abhyasa. And then 15 explains what vairagya is. So, abhyasa is, it says, effort towards steadiness of mind is practice. Okay, now I feel like we just used the word in the definition, right? So, I'm telling you that yoga is the practice of studying the mind, basically, and then practice is practicing that right? So um, that feels a little bit like, oh, um, didn't give a whole lot of information there, right? But um, there are tons of, I mean, that's what the entire rest of the book is about, is like different angles at how to practice that. But I'm just going to get, and I'll get later in the episode, I have some examples for you of how I think you can apply this to your yoga practice, how I apply it to my yoga practice. But just suffice it to say that Yoga philosophy, Patanjali, this ancient sage, believes and has told us, and I believe it too from my experience, that the way to settle the mind is to practice doing so. And whatever effort you make towards that steady of, steadiness of mind is practice. But then it goes on in the next sutra to elaborate and say, practice becomes firmly grounded when well attended for a long time without break and in all earnestness. So basically, don't half-ass it. Don't lie to yourself and only like do a half-ass practice. And I'm going to get more into what I mean by that because I don't mean you need to be doing handstands every damn day unless you really want to. But I hope you're still giving your body time to rest. I'm not saying that's all earnestness. I'm not saying you have to do a really vigorous physical practice to be earnest about your practice. But I am saying that you do need to be diligent about it and not fool yourself as we sometimes do about whether we're really being earnest in our practice or not and so it also takes a long time without break so that's kind of mm, the whole point that i'm <laughs> it's, it's kind of attacking from a lot of roundabout ways on this podcast and my other podcast the Yogi Scopes podcast like that's why I, that's why i study astrology and ayurveda because um It gives me personally, and I've seen this work for other people too, tools to when things in life change to kind of adjust my practice, whether that be through the seasons or big life changes like I'm going through right now, like renovating and moving with a toddler. Um, It's kind of a lot for me, you know what I mean? Like it's a lot going on and I have these practices to feel grounded and feel steady in my practice, right? Because without the practice, uh, I'd just be all over the place, you know? So just because we go through things in life doesn't mean we take a break from our practice. And again, I want to say that your practice doesn't have to look like doing a vigorous asana practice every single day. I'm going to get into that towards the end, what I mean by ways to practice and ways to actually apply this to your yoga practice, but... Um, astrology especially gives you ways to attend to your practice basically right like cultivate that self-awareness and kind of know what's going on um, and attend to your practice for a long time and have something to just keep you rooted in a practice like what is going on astrologically how am i um responding to these energies. That's a self-study practice in itself, which, spoiler alert, that's going to be one of the ways I'm telling you. Not necessarily astrology. Just know that that's one of my favorite ways, but it could be journaling. That's one of the kind of off-the-mat practices I want to offer you. So I'll have ways to apply this to your on-the-mat practice, your asana practice, your physical practice, but also ways to apply it to your life because um, notice the sutra doesn't say effort towards a perfect asana pose, towards a perfect whatever, I I hate the word advanced when people are like, oh, I don't have an advanced practice. I'm like, just because you can't do like extremely rigorous or challenging physical poses doesn't mean you don't have an advanced yoga practice, which is kind of my whole point with this episode. So we need to continue to create effort towards steadiness of the mind that is practice. So if your physical practice helps you steady your mind, then boom, mission accomplished. But I think there's more to it than a physical practice. And I think a lot of other folks would agree with me. I mean, I think the yoga sutras would agree with me because even the yoga sutras were actually kind of written before asana practice, as we know it, the physical practice, as we know it existed. Um, And at the time, asana just meant comfortable seat, like sitting comfortably for meditation. And and it was believed that um, you do all these other practices, like practice the yamas and the niyamas, um, which I've covered before and I'll kind of touch on at the end of the episode, to be able to settle your mind so that you can meditate, so that you can feel that oneness with spirit. Um, so that leads me into vairagya. So you do all these practices, right? Whatever they are, asana practice, all your off-the-mat practices we'll get into momentarily. Um, you do it, you make an effort for it, an earnest effort, for a long time and without break. And I don't necessarily mean you have to do it every single day, but I would think so. I would think every, every day is kind of a good baseline. But I hate to say that because I recognize that a lot of people will interpret that as like, okay, I need to roll out my mat and do a vinyasa practice every day. And no, you don't. Um, you can practice in other ways, right? But I think every day is a good baseline. Hopefully, it gets to be like where you try to achieve this state as constantly as you can, right? Throughout your life. Like when you're sitting in traffic, you try to be peaceful type, type thing. You know what I mean? Like the whole idea, in my opinion, I teach this in my group classes, like my group asana classes. I'm like, the whole idea is so that you can achieve this steadiness and peace that you feel in mind and body that I hope that you feel in Shavasana after a really good physical practice. Hopefully you learn to then apply this, these concepts to your life so that you can feel that steadiness of mind more often and more constantly, right? So anyway, I got back on Abhyasa, a diligence tangent. Um, and so Vairagya was leading into that. So Vairagya basically said, the, uh, 15th Yoga Sutra basically says, consciousness and self-mastery are achieved by freeing yourself from cravings and worldly things. And that's my interpretation on the translation. Um, that's not like what it actually says. I didn't feel like reading it to you because I feel like I had to dig for some meaning, meaning for that one specifically, um... So yeah, basically Vairagya is releasing your attachments to worldly things, so that could be materialistic things, but I think more applicable here, especially given, like, from the frame of the Bhagavad Gita, is that, okay, so maybe you do a vinyasa practice every day. Are you doing it so that you can do arm balances and inversions. Is that why? Because I think that would fall under an attachment. So yes, doing hard poses and things can facilitate a steadiness of mind, but that we want to keep that as the goal. So you have to have extreme body awareness, which is another, in my opinion, one of the points of the yoga practice of the asana, beyond asana, yoga in general. So I think what I'm trying to really drive home here is that yoga is beyond asana, you know, it's beyond the physical practice. There's lots of other ways to practice yoga, but it's important that you do it, and the point of doing it is to achieve steadiness of the mind, to feel at home in your mind and body, to achieve that oneness with, what might be called universal consciousness, your capital S self, your higher power, the divine, like whatever you want to call it, the universe, um, Daryl, whatever you want to call it, you know, that something greater than yourself that you just get little glimpses of sometimes. And some people of really vigorous practice awakens that, right? And that's fine. That's not, I'm not trying to criticize that at all. But I am trying to say that you need to keep in mind that that's the goal, is to awaken that connection with the divine within you, not to do cool poses just to do them. But I think the same thing counts for like sitting in meditation. Like Maybe you can sit for a really long time, but are you experiencing that um, oneness with the divine, that stillness of mind, or is your mind just racing the whole time? Who cares if you can sit really still if your mind doesn't get still? You know, it's not about what you do with your body. It's actually about um, losing that attachment to your physical body, which is like, mm, there's a lot of like ways that could be interpreted, right? Losing your attachment to your physical body. But what I mean is like not being super letting your self esteem ride on what your physical body can or can't do. Because, as we've heard on some like interview episodes, I've had, especially I'm thinking of the one with Jody. She's, um, she talked about neurosculpting. It was just a recent episode, it was the most recent interview. Um, she's like been a yogi for 20 plus years, been teaching for 20 plus years, and she like went through all this hard health stuff. And that was like her biggest takeaway was that the yoga practice let her cope with that stuff when she couldn't be doing crazy. Physical practices you know so it's it's more than that right it's more than the body it's actually about learning that we are not our bodies we are not our titles we are not our you know whatever doesn't mean we shouldn't like try to improve upon those things you know because i'm not saying don't go do an, a vigorous physical practice i teach power yoga four times a week you know, if not more than that. you know, And, and then I teach other formats other days. But, um, yeah, it just, like, that's not the point. The point is not to do crazy poses. Doing the crazy poses might help you facilitate um, this awareness of self. But that's not the point, right? That's not, like, the reason we do it. So... Um getting more into practical application of Abhyasa and Vairagya now that I've explained where it comes from in the in the ancient texts and the yoga philosophy and giving you a little background on that. Um, in a practical way, uh, let's just go with vairagya because I have like less on that and then I'll leave you with abhyasa and and kind of how to apply it to your yoga practice and in practical ways i have a few concrete tips for you so stick around for those um but vairagya is basically can be expectations for yourself or for others or for how situations will play out um which can lead to disappointment and resentment either in yourself or in the situation or in other people Um, And I heard this great quote. I wish I knew where it came from, but I didn't spend time tracking it down, so you could Google it if you really care. Just know I didn't come up with it. Um, Unrealistic expectations are premeditated resentments. So, basically, I want to say just having even expectations at all is a premeditated resentment or disappointment because if you are like, I'm going to do this work, and... This is what I'm going to get out of it. And then if something is off with the outcome, you're going to be upset or disappointed even a little bit. You're not going to be in the full joy of the moment. Um, because how could you if you're like comparing it against what you created in your mind for what should have happened for the work you put into it? And I'm not saying don't just swing all the way to the other side and don't try, you know, Um, I think that's the delicate balance. That's the practice, right? That's the hard part is like, how do we get up every day and do this, you know, whatever it is, vigorous asana practice, like whatever you do for work, Um, doing the laundry and the dishes. Do we do the laundry and the dishes to have a clean house? Because I know if you have kids, like it's like the Sisyphus thing, like you're always pushing the ball uphill and it rolls down every day and you have to keep doing it every day. Or do you do it because... um, It's good to have routines, right? And you have, like, I don't know. It's like, you do it to have a clean house, yes, but then are you going to be super upset every time your loved ones or yourself live in your house and then thereby messing up your dishes and your laundry and whatever? You know, so that's just an example of, like, we continue to do it, maybe even for, like, the reason we think we're doing it for, but we don't want to attach ourselves to that outcome, you know? Cleaning the house is a great example because you're gonna have to you're gonna be cleaning your house forever. As long as you're living in it, it's gonna need cleaned, you know, and you're gonna have to keep diligently cleaning your house, but you can't be super attached. I mean, you can be. People are, people do it all the time, being super attached to making their house like museum status. But then where's the fun in that? Like, that doesn't feel like very homey to me personally. So I've let go of my um, expectations around what my house should look like, especially while I have a small kid, because, you know, I'll just continue to clean and do the stuff. But if it gets messed up, I'm just gonna enjoy the time with my loved ones in our cozy home, regardless, right? So that's a good example um, of of viragya of actually the two working together. Like the reason you don't you don't just give up because you didn't get the outcome you wanted. You don't quit doing laundry because your family keeps wearing clothes and the laundry baskets don't stay empty, right? You do laundry expecting an an empty basket, but then you and your family continue wearing clothes, and that doesn't last long, right? So that's not why we do it, right? So there's a little silly example for you, but I hope it helps make sense, and then you can take this and apply it to harder examples like your yoga practice, your physical practice especially, um, or your, you know... Just because you do all the sit-ups and the things and the and the chaturangas doesn't mean you're gonna be able to do an arm balance every day of the week. Just because you could do it yesterday doesn't mean you can do it today. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Um, take it, take this concept and apply it to other areas of life. Just because you do a really good job at your workplace doesn't mean that you're always gonna get the exact outcomes you want on the exact timeline you want it was the same process we went through with buying a house you know we got we really put in our work to finding the right place for us and we got passed up or like you know outbid or whatever fell through in one way or another for like several places before we found the one we bought and we just kept doing the work we kept focusing our intention you know showing up Really trying, even if it was disappointing. I can't tell you how many quote unquote perfect places I found that we did not get before we landed on the one we got that I'm absolutely happy with. Anyway, keep doing the work without um, expectations of the outcome. So, this comes down to let me talk a little bit more about the abhyasa piece about how to do. The work right now because i think it's important to go into it with the vairagya with with the keeping in mind why you're doing it um so and not being super attached to the outcome so it's important you know we set intentions that's a big concept in yoga philosophy sankalpa um to set an intention um and setting an intention without persevering without like abhyasa without that focused effort for a long period of time without taking a break you're not going to get anywhere so we know where where your attention goes energy flows all that but it's like okay but you can't just intend your way into whatever x goal you want you know whether that's a physical goal a monetary goal a, a life goal a relationship goal whatever it is uh without doing the work right so um, this comes down to motivation versus discipline. So we don't want to operate under motivation because motivation is ultimately an attachment to an outcome. It's like, I'm motivated to do this thing, this workout, because I want to look pretty or whatever. Um, but discipline is like uh, being process-oriented. And you can have like desired outcomes in mind but most things are better served, like if you do them with discipline, with rigor, with consistency and showing up um, without relying on motivation because motivation is fleeting. So um, there are some ways to cultivate discipline. So having accountability buddies is a good one. Uh, setting and meeting goals, so set like maybe you have a gigantic goal. Right? And then you break it down into smaller goals because when you reach the smaller goals, it feels good. It sends you know neurotransmitters and your brain's reward system, all that. I'm not going to get into it right now. Um, but then you also can prioritize. you can prioritize which pieces of that big goal um, can fit into your day when it feels like whatever big lofty goal is like way too far off and you have too much going on, you prioritize. And then you can also learn about your strengths and weaknesses so that you can prioritize accordingly um, and reinforce your strengths and work on your weaknesses. A great way to do that is through journaling, through listening when people kind of give you feedback that might apply to that. But also um, astrology can really help. We can see it in your chart. Uh, That's actually like a type of reading that I offer, but you got to start with a birth chart reading. Everybody's got to start with a birth chart reading. Um... But And that can be like a focus you bring into your birth chart reading if you want to learn about strength, your strengths and weaknesses, if you don't already have kind of a um, an awareness of that, which most of us probably do, but sometimes it helps to have somebody else like kind of point it out to us. Um, and then think about your triggers around effort. So if you think about the idea behind never let them see you sweat or like this feeling that sometimes we can maybe not be good at something because we have to work really hard for it because, you know, capitalism and the media and advertisements will lead us to believe that things should just be effortless. And if it's not effortless, then it's not right for you. And that's just not true. Um, so I'll leave that at that. Think about that like. All good things in life, all things worth having, that includes relationships, that includes your house, that includes, you know, raising kids, you know, your job, meeting career goals, everything. Health are not easy. It's not easy to be healthy, y'all. That's what I'm here, like, trying to teach you. Like, it takes constant effort for the rest of your life, which kind of sucks, but, uh, it really doesn't, you know? It, it actually feels good the more you get in it. But when you look at it that way, like, oh, it feels like everything should be easy and everything should be like push of a button and seamless and whatever because capitalism will have us believe that there's a product, you know, if something's not easy, there's a product that can fix it. But I'm here to tell you, it's not. There's not. It's just... Anyway, that tangent is over. Let's get into the yoga practices now. So... A1, having a daily yoga practice. And so maybe that looks like showing up on your mat every day so that you feel more equipped and able to surrender to life. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for having a daily asana practice, but I do want to also add that that daily asana practice might not be, you know, I'm a, I am ai practice vinyasa yoga. I like to practice power yoga. Do I do it every day of the week? No, of course I don't. I would get injured. You know, like, and it also sometimes you don't necessarily need to do, like, if you're worn out from, like, weightlifting or whatever asana practice you did that was more vigorous, um, or maybe you run or whatever. I'm a big proponent of having some other component for your physical. I don't think asana should be your exercise exercise program. I think it's meant for more than that. I think if you want to get strong or or build your body in a certain way, you should weightlift or whatever. Um it apply to whatever your goal is. Um but you can it ha it helps to have like a place and a time. You show up every day and you're like this is my practice, right? Because it keeps you accountable. And so here are so my next Step is not being attached to the outcomes of your practice or what your practice looks like so one show up every day but two don't be attached to what that looks like and so here are some other examples of what it could look like because I know I was told like in my 200 hour training you need to have a daily yoga practice and it was like a vinyasa based training and I was like they really made me feel like I was supposed to do vinyasa every day of my life forever you know and I was like I don't know I had a lot of like uh, guilt around that as a yoga teacher, like maybe I'm not really a good yoga teacher because it doesn't feel right for my body to do vinyasa every day of my life. Um, so over the years, especially over like giving birth and not being physically able to do my asana practice that I enjoyed for a little while, I started to figure out some other ways and say, Hey, you know what? I really am practicing yoga when I do these things just because they're not necessarily what Instagram tells us yoga is right um you know so so some other examples are svadhyaya that self-study that can come from journaling or just like maybe you just like lay on the floor and think about stuff for a little bit you know carve out that space and that time to do this at regular intervals um it can look like breath work pranayama you know and it doesn't even you don't even have to sit perfectly like in your perfect lotus pose to do meaningful breath work you can do it laying on your back you can do yoga nidra that counts as a practice maybe some days on your quote-unquote like rest days from your physical practice you would do like a yoga nidra instead um, there's some great ones on i use insight timer personally i'm not like sponsored by the, them or anything i don't really believe in that um, it's just genuinely what i use Um, Maybe you could practice meditating or mindfulness. So, again, like while you're washing the dishes, while you're spending time with family, like while you do anything, this is how you start to apply the yoga to like your entire life, your entire day is just how mindful can you be? Just how present can you be with washing the dishes, with cooking, with listening to people that are talking to you? You know, like, just how present can you be? And you might start to notice that even if you have, like, a pretty consistent physical practice of yoga, it can sometimes, that doesn't always translate to mindfulness all day, every day. So that's the practice, too. Um, Setting intentions, even cleaning up your house, because that's one of the, you know, guidelines Cleanliness, the niyamas actually. So, cleaning yourself, cleaning your house, doing that with intention can be yoga practice. You know, telling the truth intentionally, being generous. Um, So, those are some examples of other practices that are beyond just rolling out your mat and doing what you think yoga practice should look like, because I have um, preconceived notions around that too. Um, So there's just some ideas of other things you could practice that count as yoga practice. Just try to do one of these things every day of your life. You know, just try. Try it and see what happens. So, and then number three I have for you is never skip Shavasana. I hope you never do. Please never skip Shavasana. That's the whole point of, like that's, (laughs) I want to leave you this episode with that. Because that's been kind of my whole point is, that's why we do the physical practice is for that Hopefully really great meditation at the end where your body is calmed, your mind is more still. It's like hopefully best case scenario for reaching that meditative state. So just to reiterate, those were show up every day, like do a practice every day so that you feel like you are able to surrender to the trappings of life. You know, that's the whole point. Show up, do a diligent practice, whatever that practice looks like, so that you feel like you're able to surrender. Abyasa and vairagya. Practice and non-attachment. And non-attachment is a practice. Number two, don't be attached to the outcomes of your practice or what your practice should look like. So you could try some of those examples of alternate practices I gave. And number three, never, ever skip shavasana. And that's all I have for you. So if you want to know more background about this episode, like I said, you can check out my new Yogi Scopes podcast. Just search Yogi Scopes, wherever you're listening to this right now um remember you know it would be super help for this podcast and that one if you use apple if you could just go throw me a little review real quick some stars you don't even have to write anything but just know it would make me smile if you did um and if you want to work with me further you can book an astrology reading with me join my email list to hear about upcoming events especially the new moon events, but we're still a good three weeks out from that. So I'm grateful that you're here. Please remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time.